Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is my latest episode of my podcast, Reflections with Melody. I'm sorry it's been a while since I've posted an episode. I've been crazy busy with things going on in my life, so I'm happy to bring another special episode to you today. Um, Today's special episode is another audiobook recording of another collection of my poems from my Wattpad account, and uh, this poetry collection is called Dear Me, and I just pray that something speaks to you today. Thank you so much for listening. Part 1. Born. When you're brought into this world, you have no recollection of innocence, yet you're born with it. And then somehow, someday, somewhere, something happens where that God-given gift is ripped out from under your feet, like the rug below your bed. And then somehow we must find our own ways to get it back, without losing ourselves. So, isn't life just one entire cycle? And yet we're born once, and die once, and the in-betweens, those are the moments we make this life count. And we can only hope we've left a legacy strong enough to keep the cycle of love going. Because in the end, that's all we're left with. Product of a Damaged Home When you're the product of a damaged home, you second-guess every thought you think and word you speak. When you're the product of a damaged home, you do anything you can to avoid going home, even though you're grateful to have a roof and food and clothing on your back. But the second you question the emotional love, you're called ungrateful. Is all the physical stuff worth it when you know what you're going home to? What errands do you need to run? You ask your best friend. Can I help you shop for Christmas gifts for your family? For your house? Anything to escape. The car wash, the grocery store, or the library. Studying in the midst of the healthy silence because you're so used to the unhealthy piercing of silence in the air between your mom and dad. Silence packed with resentment. Arguments about who burned the garlic bread, who didn't fill the car up with gas, you name it. So much so to the point where the physical things begin to mean nothing to you, because you've witnessed firsthand how damaging it is to have a house that focuses so much on that physical and less on the emotional. But also because you care. You care so much, you have to detach and build your own family in the presence of those who get you. You lash out now and then, and you're called a child. You break down and it's weak. You express how hurtful this environment is and you're told not to start fights at the dinner table when that's all you've been subjected to your entire life. How is it that damn easy to break a habit? Isn't behavior learned? Granted, you have choices, but it's also not as simple as ending the cycle. You're not disrespectful. You're just the product of a damaged home. What's a house and what's a home? One certainly isn't the other. And yet, they go hand in hand. Everyone around me, everywhere I turn, seems to be going in a good direction. College, degrees earned, high-end jobs. When my mom once told me all work has value. Just because you're not with him anymore doesn't mean the trauma and nightmares and flashbacks and triggers are erased from your memory. People need to think before they assume you're fine. Twisted. Since when did me simply wanting validation for the fact that my abusers act towards me are not like your typical abuser make me ungrateful to be alive? 
And forgive me, that was supposed to be the word axe. <laughs> you told me not to beg, beg you for anything. I wouldn't be in this position if it weren't for you conditioning me to. Abusers know how to brainwash and make you depend solely on them for survival. I don't know why I keep going to you, groveling at your feet for something I know deep down you'll never be able to feed me. My healing can't come from you. You said I was fierce. I never stopped being fierce. You just ignited a bigger fire within me, and it'll burn you more than you ever thought it could. I wasn't fierce because of you. I was and am fierce because I know how to stand up for myself, and I will do anything to expose you and burn your lies to dust. Everyone leaves me when I'm honest with them, and serve them my heart on a silver platter. They devour it, their mouths red from the oozing vulnerabilities, pains, traumas, joys, laughs. Why am I abandoned for the one thing that should make someone want to stay? The more you say I won't succeed in a career in theater just pushes me to do it more. Sometimes, all a victim of trauma wants is a hand to hold and an ear to listen. We're more concerned about having the latest iPhone than treating each other with respect. I've witnessed all my life two people under one roof, laughing at one point, then yelling the next, over pointless matters, complaint after complaint at the dinner table, and yet, I'm told never to start something at that table when it was my upbringing. How can you not do the very thing you were modeled? Is it really that simple as not doing? I've witnessed two people bound by paper and not love. They're clearly miserable together. So why stay in a relationship you're not happy in? No touch, no hugs, no kisses, no nothing. And yet, they think it's okay to just subject me to this? How does this paint a healthy marriage, let alone relationship, for me? And they wonder why I fear intimacy and love, let alone marriage at all. And yet, I can give it with all my damn heart. Last time I checked, men were born human too. They deserve to display just as much emotion as women. I'm a recluse in my own mind. When they ask how I'm doing and I tell them something other than good, why do they insist on continuing to poke and prod me with their stick of questions? Why can't they just accept my answer and leave it at that? Have we as a society and a nation become accustomed to just disrespecting the fact that someone feels anything less than whole? And yet everyone preaches intolerance and acceptance. You think and assume I'm fine because I don't talk to him. But you can't shut up my nightmares where, in those, that utterly haunting voice talks to me and shakes me to my core. You are so worried about how they got in their fragile state. And yet, I'm right in front of you. As fragile as that vase on your shelf, and I'm already in pieces on the floor. Will you step over me to them? And don't address me at all. 
When you held that knife to my neck the first time, my head told myself to run. The adrenaline was there, but immediately soaked back into my veins and body, quickly dissipated, yet somehow lingered. And my heart said stay, not because I deserved this, but only because what took over the adrenaline to leave was the brainwashing and manipulation and gaslighting that compelled me to stay. Not because I thought I deserved this, but because it's a spell that keeps your mind, heart, and soul captive, and there is no way out in that moment. You've locked away. You are locked away in your own brain. That organ-pumping blood can only do so much when somebody thinks it's his entitlement to squeeze the life out of it. And I let you off easy. I could have flipped out on you in self-defense, ripped that cold metal weapon from your bare hands. But did I? <laughs> no. Because I was under your spell. I'm not a violent woman, but I know you did everything in your waking power to convince me otherwise. And it's all projection, really. Our relationship was a series of events, labels, abusive daggers that shot my heart and mind, and yet everything you called me is what you are. Funny how that works, isn't it? Blame. You can point the finger at me all you want, and you'll forever be that psychopath who beat me to death, and said I beat you too, when you and God very well knows you gave the first punch. Bruise on my left arm, bruise below my lower stomach, making it so damn hard to bend over for weeks. You stomping on my calf so hard I almost thought I broke it. Slapping me across the face so hard I swore the whole neighborhood heard it. The slap heard from all around the world. Bleeding from the whip you used to control me. Each mark on my skin just another tally on my tally sheet. For the reasons why you're a shitty, cowardly, abusive boy who will forever play victim and claim to be a man. And you like me at my weakest point. You love when I can't speak. You feed off of my fear. You smell it, you sense it. Like a ravenous wolf, you devour it. Did he do that? The doctor asks me. I hesitate because typically the right way to address abuse is to report it immediately. Or so I thought. Because once I admit yes with him in the room, saying nothing, of course, the doctor takes one look at me and says, You didn't cover it up. Because he told me it was police protocol to test me and see if I fight back, if I was telling the truth about being raped, that he's a cop who will help me lock my rapist up. I want to say it. I want to scream it. My mind and heart are battling with each other, swords and all. But all I can say is yes, because I love him and didn't know any better. That's just his way of telling you he loves you. <laughs> you call yourself a doctor? You should have, and you deserve to lose your medical license. Make a quiet impact. Don't be fooled by introverts. We don't say much, but when we do, it's impactful. The mountains shake and the volcanoes erupt and we pierce hearts. Because there is beauty in being reserved and not speaking right away. There is significance in taking in your surroundings and hearing other opinions before voicing your own. Poetry by Melody Do I have feelings for my best friend? Does he know? Is he completely unaware? Or am I just paranoid? Am I just so traumatized for my last that I am so focused on him possibly maybe becoming my first man to treat me right? 
The way he is always there for me, the way he laughs and smiles, the way I care for his happiness and he for mine, the way he willingly kept in touch with me all the way from the UK when I was stuck in a state I didn't even want to be in and my own boyfriend couldn't text or call me from the same country. It's the way he is himself, so authentic and true, marches to the beat of his own drum, encouraging me to march with him, and compassionate and understanding when I just don't feel like doing so, and staying under the covers, not wanting to face the day. The Song of Me I am a song. I have verses, different versions of myself. I have a bridge that only few cross to hear me out. But I'm the song people don't want to sing. I'm too deep for them. I'm too much for them to handle. I'm too analytical. But I don't think there's such a thing as too caring or too deep or too analytical. When really I just feel things on a very deep level. Maybe more than some. I'm the song not many people want to sing, but only a very select rare few people actually do. Some even hum for a little while, then rewind, and then pick and choose which parts they want to hear again until finally they give up altogether and delete me from their playlist. I never considered it until now. When you're younger, nothing makes sense until you're older. It's the pain that shapes you into a wiser human. But that wisdom certainly doesn't eternally shield you from any other storms to come. My brother named me before I was born. The story is that my family loves music, and that's why they chose my name. But they didn't know I'd love to sing. They had no idea my passion would be this. Now you see the irony, the sound of my voice ringing through my bedroom walls as I craft a new song while strumming or tapping away at my piano. I feel my soul lift up and my heart sing too. For a moment, I feel my problems melt away like an ice cube thawing. I feel heard by you. I, you don't listen when I speak, but now you do. What is it about my verbal self-expressions that turn you off and burn you out like a light bulb dimming from being on for too long, and a candle finally dissipating into the night? Why do you get so intimidated by me seeing through your pettiness? But the second I open my mouth and music floats out of it, after bubbling to the surface because I have a story to tell, you listen. Time stops and you hear me out. I'm an identity to you, an entity, an actual person, and not just the bystander you toss aside when you don't want to get to know her. I feel free when I do it. When the music comes out of me, composed from the traumas I've faced, the joys I've experienced, the laughs I've encountered, the struggles I've endured, I feel uncensored. I can just be. And the harmonies are the people who actually want to walk alongside me in my hurt and be my solace with zero judgment. Hamlet always asked, to be or not to be, that is the question. And when I sing, no question about it, I'm finally able to just be. But without the music, I feel as hollow as a drum. Sometimes I write a song by writing a poem first and then adding music later. Or I simply grab my phone, my guitar, or keyboard and improvise off the top of my head and see what happens. Usually when my writer's block hits me like a train, I write my songs this way. Taylor Swift inspired me to write my very first song. It was the summer before my junior year of high school when my songwriting excursion began. Her words, her simple yet beautiful chord progressions and arrangements, her 
ability to just write about her life, even when people judge her for her topics. I love to write about my life, others' lives, those close to me. Messages of hope, of anything that I pray speaks to the heart and pierces it with love and encouragement. It's like I'm Cupid, and music is my arrow. Because isn't music a gorgeous way to remind each other we are not alone? Strum, strum, goes my guitar. The guitar pick scratches against the wooden body as I write down another chord to use. My pen's ink darkens my notebook paper and crinkles the pages. Another chord is bringing me closer to my story getting out into the world. Because all I pray for is that my voice inspires you to remember you're not alone. I love you, and music is my sanity. I have to sing what I feel. I sing the hurt inside because someday, one way or another, that hurt has to come out in the only way I know how. I may be introverted, I may have depression, but my music comes from somewhere that deserves to be validated and heard. Just because I'm reserved doesn't mean I don't observe what's around me and pour it into a song. Watch out for us introverts. They'll surprise you. And if you don't hear me out when I'm right in front of you, then I'm sure as hell would the impactful power of my instruments make you listen now. The sound of my voice emotes others. I've been told people feel my pain just by hearing me. And then I open my mouth. All the anxiety goes away. My quirkiness, my awkwardness. The cage is unlocked and my heart and emotions are set free. My voice is the key. La la la. La la. La la la. As I hum along to the song of this life. My friend and I were texting one day about how we've both battled with depression and suicidal thoughts. When he shared his troubles, I was there for him. And when I shared mine, he said, But you're so sweet and caring. Okay, what does that have to do with it? Are you saying because I appear one way, I couldn't possibly have struggles and depression of my very own? Am I not human like you? Who made you the gatekeeper of my feelings, of my heart's angsts, of my life? Why do I validate yours, but you don't even have the decency to validate mine? And since when did those things correlate with my trauma and my hurt? You don't know the hell I've endured. And yet, it doesn't even take knowledge of somebody's traumatic circumstances to just simply have human decency. You can't dictate what's going on inside my mind when you don't even have a recollection of the outside of me. Are you the only one who gets to feel this pain? Why have we become so possessive of a universal language? Like... It's ours and only ours, and somebody couldn't possibly be aching on the inside, too, because on the outside they're a bubbly glass of champagne. Did it ever occur to you that the smiliest, bubbliest, happiest, laughing till their sides hurt, cheering others up kind of people are the ones who are hurting the absolute most? They've been a rock for people for so long, not because they do it for something in return, but because they actually care. And then the minute they desire the same, they're too sensitive overreacting, selfish, immature, you tell me, because the list goes on. Oh, I'm sorry, am, am I being too rude? You see, it isn't rude because it's the truth, and some people just can't handle it. So I'm not disrespectful. I'm just broken, with a story to tell of my own personal hell, and I'm here to tell you, shout your story from the mountaintops. Let it out, but don't let it go. You have a heart, a mind, a soul that deserve to be embraced, not turned away at the door. 
and those masks we wear, it's okay because one day the right person or people will delicately peel them off our faces to reveal who they know we really are. So it's not that we, the genuine hurting souls, are deceptive and hiding ourselves. The abusers are. It's that we, the genuine hurting souls, are selective about who about who we peel our masks and layers for, and we call out the darkness and bring it to light. And to those who can't handle that, here's the door. They say if it happened a long time ago, then it isn't valid now. But if I really ache with this memory, how can you tell me I'm wrong for doing so? So many people believe Jesus isn't the Son of God. That he didn't die on the cross for our sins because it happened decades ago. And yet, the truth lives on. No matter when it happened, your trauma has merit. Because time does not always erase wounds. How long ago was that? You'd say with an evil smirk when I screamed that you hit me first. The gaslighting so potent it made me suffocate. You fed off of it, making me second-guess myself, making me lose my sanity. It doesn't matter, I'd yell back in tears. The fact is, it happened. Time doesn't matter. And yet you could constantly bring up the fact that I hit you in self-defense. You just label it otherwise because you're a coward. And it suddenly has merit even though it happened long ago too. Either you're the victim, or it's a no-go for you. There is no in-between for your ego. You are either the victim, or you're the victim. I don't know where I'm going, and yet I hunger to keep going. Life is a journey. You made me fall in love with you, with another body and soul, and heart to bind to, when I thought I could never love again. And it came... To be, you lack any of the above that I mentioned, because psychopaths can't and never will love. You made me believe you're better than him, so I dove into the deep end and trusted you with my life, and that gave you entitlement to take my life and everything within it and strip it away from me until it was bare bones cold, no clothing to cover it, no shelter or warmth for protection. It was all yours. You swallowed it whole, and somehow it still digested well. What gave you the right to destroy me? Because you're you. You kept saying, I'm not him, just to keep me under your thumb. And it worked, until it didn't any longer. Because you were right. You're not him. You're much worse. You made me believe I could love someone again. I thought you were my world. I knew you were, because you took everything away in mine, until all I focused on was you in my microscope so I couldn't see things for what they were, because you had my vision fixated so close with no perspective. You made me believe I was your everything. You told me I was. We all know that was a lie, just like everything else. You made me believe you would treat me right. I thought the search was over. I thought I didn't have to hike or dive any further. My excursion done. No more sweat to drip, drip, drip. Down my face from the exhaustion of being left behind in the woods for feeling too much. When all it ever was every time was genuine, caring love. You wouldn't know love if it bit you in the behind. You were my everything, until I realized I was never yours. You don't even see this until you're left alone to fend for yourself and put the puzzle together. 
No more puzzle nights together with our hearts, thoughts, emotions, feelings. Just me alone in my room with my tear-soaked pillow and my aching, aching, so-called blood-pumping organ that I once thought was my blessing. How could you do this to me? Reflections of Deception I never asked to be the only one. I asked to be one of them. Priorities I remember you leaving me in the dark parking lot, leaving me to piece the puzzle together. I laid in bed all night wondering just how a man who claimed to love me would do this to me. I lay in bed all night, thinking of ways to reshape my life, start over. Is that even possible when you're shattered? Ways to fix what you broke, ways to become whole, ways to repair my soul, ways to take baby steps toward the home of healing. It's still hell. And you have no right to simply waltz in here and take advantage of the fact that my muscle memory will find ways to knock at my door of an aching heart and trigger me into dancing for you like I used to, your little puppet on a damn string. You can't control me. The fact that I'm aching and you're faking says everything. What we had wasn't real, but I knew I always loved you. If it were real, you'd be aching too, not trying to fabricate what really happened and how you tore me apart. My brain is an endless museum of exhibits that many people contribute to, each person we meet. Every tear we shed, every laugh we spread, every heartache we ache becomes just another hallway of mementos and souvenirs. Only those who truly care will buy a ticket to view deep into our hearts. You can look, but don't touch. Nobody can tell you to let it go when your pain is not their possession. Like I said in one of my recent poems, how can people be so possessive of a universal language? Your story is your story. Your pain is your pain. Nobody can take these away from you. Part 2 in a world where I constantly feel invisible, it's the paper and pen that truly make me feel visible. Poetry is my safe haven. You can't claim to be family when you all do things separately, and then at the end of the day, say goodnight and spend holidays and birthdays together. You think that's all it takes? You could say all the I love you's in the world, but it takes true action of quality time and emotional needs being met above all else to bring you all together, glued in harmony, not bits and pieces of a song that somehow fit together. You want your household song to flow harmoniously and melodically, not intermittently being paused and played again and again. Your household song. She keeps subconsciously getting involved with abusers, not because she can't discern love from abuse, but because subconsciously she doesn't know any better, because her daddy was never there for her to teach her how to prevent it from even happening. Daddy issues. You never officially broke it off, but you officially broke my heart. You never officially said, we're done. So to this day, you can still manipulate me from the... <laughs> from the grave because you're dead to me and yet you're haunting me every damn moment you get 
Whenever you'd walk out that door, I'd eventually see you again, but held on to the unknown of when. And now I stare at my door like it's that hotel room door, waiting for second nature. Only this time it's all in my memory, because my brain is now the chip you program to assume everything will be back to the way it was, when I know it's not good for me. Abuse isn't as simple to let go of. You don't hold on because you wanted it. You hold on because who can just let go of that? It's one thing to deceive me as yourself. The abuser you are. It's another to fabricate and impersonate two police officers who also promised me the world and safety I never got. And all the while they kept gravitating me closer to you to trust and depend on you when all along it was you. Forcing me to rely on my captor and abuser until you killed me yourself with your hands and tongue as your ultimate weapons aimed at my already battered heart. It was always a game to you. My heart, brain, sanity, innocence, and my love for you were your chess game. My life was your board. I was your pawn. Checkmate. The reason I'm so quote-unquote sweet, it comes from being hurt all the time and choosing to give people what I never got. The most depressed people smile the most. Compliments and insults all sound the very same when you're so used to getting hurt. You've made me feel so bound to you by never verbally ending it with me that every time I glance at another man I feel guilty for betraying you. But then I have to try to remind myself daily that you betrayed me first. The truth of it all, you chose to let me go. Every time I called you out for every abusive thing you did to me, you conveniently had a TBI. And memory loss. But whenever you kept track of my flaws and blamed me for your wrongs, your memory immediately healed. Liar. I live in a house with two parents, and yet I still feel alone in my thoughts, and they bounce off the hollow walls. Loneliness. Our entire relationship was built on lies, so you can't stand there and tell me not to lie to you, because you started it. And now, I'm finishing it. The Tower of Lies has been established as a monument in your name. I went back to look for you, to fight for what I thought was left, in that damn airport, because you said you'd be there. But in that vicious crowd, viscous crowd, of constantly shuffling people, I couldn't even find myself. Because that's what you ended up taking away from me. We are subconsciously drawn to romantic relationships that remind us of what were modeled in the home. I read that in a psychology article once, and it frightened me to death, opening my eyes that it isn't entirely a choice on my part who I've gotten involved with. I don't choose to get involved with abusers. I never did. What we see in the home, what our parents model for us, what marriage consists of, what it doesn't consist of, what love really means, what love really isn't. Our parents are the ones who have the responsibility of revealing these secrets to us first. And whatever we end up seeing, we will subconsciously ingrain that type of relationship dynamic within our brains, so much so to the point where we tell ourselves it's the normal way. 
Well then. I'm terrified. It isn't your fault. You're an adult now. That's what I'm told every time I open my mouth to express that the environment is toxic. So I'm an adult now, you say? You're a child. Grow up. Then why is the child having an easier time calling out the toxins and trying to stop the endless bleeding and the adults are the ones doing the cutting and adding poison to the toxins and while physically seeing the wounds bleed out, they still deny it? Rethink the roles here. The real adult is the one who calls out what they see. Origin. It's so easy to point your finger at me. Call me a child, when my anger tears, lashing out, didn't just randomly come about. All pain has an origin. How can I drive, when the loss of you is fogging up my glass? Losing you, I lost myself. The most authentic thing you can be is yourself, who God made you to be. A poem is never too long or too short or too oddly worded or too oddly punctuated or too oddly broken within the lines. A poem is whatever you want it to be because it's your story and your heart poured out for all to see and then it gets absorbed like a sponge, absorbing water, and then hearts are pierced and brains are challenged and souls are enhanced and lungs are inflated with more air to spread the stories suppressed by society and those who claim to understand one's pain but really don't. So isn't this the beauty of poetry? That it can be anything you want it to be? Nobody can be the gatekeeper of poetry, let alone someone's story. It's so ironic that the song you always love to blast in the car is the anthem to how deeply you cut me to my core, like an apple losing its skin and having nothing left but core, and how I'm attempting to free myself from all we built, when what we built was nothing but pulp fiction, and now I'm that bird trapped in your cage. Bird set free by Sia. Spirit of Love my moment of love dissipated into the night, like a candle once aflame and then dead, flickered out. He was my definition of everything needed in this sinful world. He was the walking embodiment of godly, unconditional love. He made me feel seen, loved, cherished, validated, heard. My moment of love was ripped from under me. The day he died, because he was my steady, stable platform, until the day the screws came loose and I fell. My spirit of love was his soul and mine, the only one pure goodness in this chaotic, ever-changing world. He was the one thing in my life that never changed. He was as constant as the wind in the morning and the sun coming out to say hello, even when I didn't want to get out of bed to face the world at all. He changed me, pierced me, saw me, my heart, the dark parts of me that I've always thought make me an ugly human being. The parts I vowed to keep from anyone who dared to break down my walls with a hammer. He was that hammer. He was my four seasons. He was the model of a real man's love for me, even when I don't deserve it. He was my spirit of love. And I regret wasting so much time doubting him, when the person I really had reason to doubt was myself. I didn't doubt him because of a lack of trust. I doubted sometimes from a lack of receiving this type of love in my life from others even those closest to me.
And when you're not used to real love, your mind does anything it can to psych out when the real thing is right in front of you. And now it's too late to tell him every other hell I've been through, because he would understand why I feel so alone and wouldn't make me feel like less of a Christian for simply aching inside. I always told him how much he meant to me and how much I loved him and felt safe in his arms. I never shielded away from doing so. I never shied away from doing so. But there were those days I'd cry for being loved ever so deeply, to the point of my brokenness feeling embraced and not turned away at the door. I was not cherry-picked. I was held. When I messed up, I wasn't yelled at. I was corrected with tenderness, which I respond better to. Who doesn't? And I pray when you are given your spirit of love that you never let it go. And then you have the time. When you have the time, let them know. Because you never know when it will be too late. All the time I was with you, I thought I could cure my fear of being alone when being with you was just adding more viruses to my terminal illness. Denial is the most potent illness of all. The dinner table is filled with the usual scraping of utensils on plates in the pit of silence. In the gaping hole that is my stomach and my heart, my mind a hollow yet stocked full, swarming forest of never-ending thoughts, tears, rages, and trauma. But I can't say it. I can only scrape it with my spaghettios. <laughs> As I finally get up and toss my dishes in the sink, she utters something to me. Her first words in actual conversation to me. Be careful with our dishes. And I'm standing here, thirsty, yet I drank at dinner. Hungry, yet I ate at dinner, for things I can't consume physically. I'm standing here thinking, what about me? Am I not a plate? Am I not fragile too? Because I've already broken. I'm already broken. I have been forever. And all you can think about is the cracks in that dish. And my cracks have been visible since the beginning of time. When will somebody wash me clean with love? In an airport filled with people, I looked for the one person who I knew would never claim my baggage, long after he always promised he would. Promises demand to be kept. I am a human. I have two legs, ten toes, two hands, ten fingers, two arms, two eyes, two ears, lungs, a heart, a brain, a soul, and yet... I feel lifeless. Trauma. Your body goes through the motions of life when your heart goes through the turmoil that endlessly gets pushed aside. When will people just hear you out? Being heard is so very different from being listened to. You deserve both. I am not high maintenance. I just have high standards that never get taken seriously. Isn't it amazing how we go through life, each person a chapter in our story, an element to add to who we were, who we will become, and who we will be? Each person comes with their own personal story, and they, as an exchange, add on to our story. And together, a novel is written so powerfully, even without a pen and paper. It isn't necessarily needed at this point, because it's organic. 
but along the way, good stories and bad stories are composed, and the psychotic thrillers are the ones that get believed, while the vulnerable exposure of these psychotic thrillers and their evil nature gets shunned and tossed into the garbage. These truthful novels are painted as the lies, and these novels build up pounds of dust on their spines, just hungering and screaming to be read and consumed, while the psychotic thriller's spines are cracked from so much use and repetitive consumption. Abusers are believed. Victims are shunned. I remember building it with my hands for you, the clay being molded with my palms, my thumbs, every bit of love left in me to create a candle holder where the light would flicker through the holes and pores where you'd see my efforts shining onto your bedroom walls. And in turn, you'd see my heart and love for you pouring endless light into your world and your soul. But it wasn't enough for you because you ignored not just the ceramic piece, but my light too and my love for you. So I took it, ripped it from your bare hands, only to shatter it all across the sidewalk. The explosion heard across the globe, just like you shattered me. And just like that, the ceramic piece was no longer singular, sprawled across the pavement, just hungering and calling out for someone to glue it back together again. And I was no longer singular either. You see, because it was you who threw me down just to break without being there to catch me, my heart needs gluing, and has since the beginning of time, in a million delicate, fragile fragments of clay that I thought were molded by tender, strong, unconditionally loving hands, hands that caressed this body every night, making me think we were eternal, deceitful hands, abusive hands, elusive hands, hands that built me out of my, out of hands that built me out of empty promises and words and lies only to pull me apart because it was never your end goal to cherish and hold me it was your end goal to falsely build me into an elegant ceramic piece with light that shined more beautifully than anything else only for you to dim that light into a flickering flame and to devour it whole until i had nothing ironic isn't it you wanted me to have nothing this whole time when all along you were the one who did everything he could to brainwash me into trusting you were my everything. And now the lies are broken into scattered clay parts, just begging to be put together. And I'm laying here, torn, broken, crying for a tender hand, not a violent one. But when you're so used to being abused and used, it's all the same. Luminary. I didn't just wake up like this. It accumulates over time, like a disease that's terminal. Depression. When you're so used to being ignored and tossed aside and told you're overreacting or too sensitive or that you need to just let it go, whatever you're aching over, not being noticed when you're literally in the same room as people who claim to love you, literally doesn't faze you, and yet it breaks you. Everything is the same when feeling invisible has become your craft. I've gotten so used to being tossed aside and ignored so much so to the point where it became an art form. It has become an art form. And then some. I've gotten so used to being used and discarded so much so to the point where it's become my normal. And I've gotten so used to being mistreated so much so to the point where I've accepted that nobody cares. It's all become second nature. So much so, to the point where, when I receive the true proper treatment, I won't know what's real and what's not. What should I believe? Muscle memory. 
My writing isn't too dark or too depressing. It's real. Life is too serious and crazy to not take it seriously. I love how we live in a world where tolerance and love are preached, and yet the minute somebody has a different view, they are emotionally burned at the stake. Hypocritical. When someone asks me how I'm doing, what I say is fine, but what I'm screaming inside to say is, do you really want to know? Because only a select few stick around to listen and won't judge you for the real answer you give. Does someone else's problems scare them? when they can hurt and someone else can't. When did they become the gatekeeper of pain? The question has gotten old. You wonder why I'm so depressed all the time. Let me ask you something. What's your home life like? It has everything to do with how you are and how, who you become. Remember when you made a contract on paper saying all the things we wouldn't do, like hit each other, as if I was the one that needed to be kept in check? You were only fooling yourself. It was self-defense. You always say I broke your neck and hand, and yet... <laughs> you never showed the quote-unquote x-rays. It never happened. You're just psychotic. You tell me to be real with you, that I can tell you anything. Then the minute I do, you run. Lies. So loyal. You're so busy prioritizing everything else around you that you're forgetting about the one crumbling, deteriorating thing right in front of you. Me. A shattered heart and soul take priority over a shattered glass. You're so strong. Stay strong. But what if I don't feel strong? Is that not allowed? Why does a lack of strength scare people? You can't tell me how to feel or be. When will brokenness be validated? I love when I say how I feel and someone will say, don't feel that way. Don't be. I'm sorry, did you not just hear me? Feelings aren't a light switch. Just because I don't talk about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I've just gotten really good at shoving the topic down my throat because I'm so used to choking on it when people suffocate me with invalidation. Trauma is there even when it isn't discussed. The memories will never just leave. I think one of the most beautiful things a woman can do is support another woman, not compete with her for the latest iPhone or skinny jeans or makeup. It would be so beautiful, too, if these women could tell each other that they don't even need a man to be whole. But tells her she's beautiful without all those things. Female empowerment. You lie like the air you breathe. It's your oxygen. Without it, you die. It's who you are. It's your entity. Don't underestimate the human heart. It's the second most powerful brain in the human body. Dissection only happens when people want to embrace all of you. They'll pick apart different elements of you, even undesirable ones and joyous ones, and they'll take it all and glue you back together with unconditional love. The brain and heart will never truly forget a trauma. They're little. Nothing can touch them. Her cute bangs are caressing her forehead while her baby blue sweater is hugging her to keep her warm. Her brother asks what clam chowder is. 
Their daddy is telling them they're going to the park after lunch. They're innocent. Nothing has been ripped from them, from below their feet. They don't know who they are yet, and yet they keep going with a courage that's beyond what we adults possess today, because our innocence has been stripped away. They don't have to pay bills or worry about the latest fashion trends to impress others. They just have to exist in that moment, and they find the smallest joys in the simplest of circumstances without even thinking. What happened to us? We grew up, we experienced life at its peak of pain. We realized some people really are toxic, and others will always be there to catch us when we fall. But if we could just try some days to maintain that childlike innocence, we can still find joy in trials. This does not make the pain dissipate into the night like some people try to force it to do, but it helps us cease to evaporate into the cold, dark abyss of heartache we continue to push through. Pain will always exist. We just need to find the people to help us through it. Part 3 Part 3 will be coming to you soon. Hi, thanks for still sticking in with me. So, the recording has a limit to 60 minutes for this podcast app, so here's part three. Depressed people are typically told they dim the mood, they ruin everything, they make everything worse, they give a bad vibe, they're toxic, when in reality these people are the voices you toss aside. So much so to the point where they will be the ones on top, and you'll be right below them, hearing every golden thing they have to say, speaking up and out against the oppression you threw their way, and like a boomerang, it'll all come flying back in your face. Watch as reality serves you a full-course meal. Why have we made something as simple as love and compassion so difficult and complex? Love isn't math. If it were, the only formula we'd need is love itself, which isn't hard. We could all use something certain in a time of uncertainty. Stability and consistency. I don't want to be just another newsfeed topic you scroll through. I want to be a valued soul with a heart of gold that will be treasured even when it isn't easy. Am I pretty beyond the sepia and black and white filters? Am I important beyond the car I just posted a selfie with? Am I more than the object men make me out to be? Women should be more than breasts. Men should be more than their manhood. We are more than the sum of our bodies. We are souls that yearn to be uplifted. We are hearts that hunger to be loved, even when we're broken. We are entities that God created with a purpose. We have value beyond what society has crafted for us, beyond the expectations media has bestowed upon us to look a certain way, beyond the stereotypes that are constantly being thrown away like daggers, aimed to destroy and chip away our identities, beyond the way our status gets, defined by our financial income, or our career, or what car we drive, when all work is value. We are children of the King, who determines our lives and our steps before we even know it, he has a plan for us all, and our worth is in him alone. Now, it's easier said than done to believe and trust in it, but I choose to, because it's all I have left to cling on to in a world as messed up as this one. 
Our true identity is in Jesus Christ. You can't just come and go expecting me to wait for you every single time because now I'm gone and you're back and I'm not your doormat to step on and ring my doorbell whenever you please and I choose to no longer live in a so-called home where you beat me and call that love. The only thing you can pound your fist against is that door because that door is no longer going to be me because I refuse to settle for what I know I don't deserve. This by no means makes the healing or the trauma easier what it does is it lays down boundaries, which you clearly don't have. That's why I'm setting them for me. When you knock now, nobody will be home. When did my no become your yes? Why did you in that moment decide what was best for me when what was best for me was to say no? Why did you in that circumstance, with the bed creaking below us, shaking the earth with your doggish, animalistic and beastly desires and hungers, decide it was your entitled right to rob me of something you knew I wanted to hold on to? And yet you stole it anyway, because animals just have to eat and devour their prey and destroy whatever morsel gets in their way. In this case, that morsel was me, ironically. And my protest of no was the food you consumed, your fangs dripping with rejection and your eyes gleaming with narcissism and delight, despite my clear discomfort and pain. And when did you decide in that second that it was your right to batter me, scar me, and traumatize me for the rest of my life? In that one instant, everything could change. It was never your right to define what it was. Because you knew, and I knew it. And yet you got away with it, while I sit here every day rotting in my PTSD just attempting to get by. You are not the victim and you never will be. But don't worry, I'll speak up about it anyway, because that's another thing you stole from me, but I'm taking it back. My voice. And I will define it all. No more twisted narratives from you. No more lies. No more manipulative versions of what really happened. Because abusers may think they have won the battle but the victim will always reclaim and win the war. Rape is rape. When everyone around you never takes your pain seriously, you start to tell yourself it no longer matters. So you suppress it, swallow it, then spit it out. So you can never consume the one thing that people neglect to acknowledge helps us grow at the end of the day. Suffering produces character. so much everybody for listening to my audiobook today thank you for bearing with me sometimes when we're reading off a ipad tablet laptop screen <laughs> for an audiobook it can be hard to read things exactly as they're written so pardon my occasional word flubs now and then um but i just really appreciate you listening and taking the time to hear these poems that are very vulnerable and very raw and very near and dear to my heart and you know reading them is a baby step for me and and like I always say you know in no way does that make the healing any easier but it's a baby step and I just really appreciate you listening to my honest vulnerable writing today and if anything spoke to you I'm so thankful to hear that and if you are going through abuse you have been through abuse you know someone who is 
Um, There is the National Domestic Violence Hotline as a resource, and I am so sorry that someone you love, or even you, have had to go through that, or are maybe going through that, and I want you to know that I'm with you, and my heart goes out to you, and... Like I always say, just always remember that your story is your story and no one can ever take that away from you and healing is a process, it doesn't happen overnight and whatever you're feeling right now in this moment is okay. Alright, I love you guys, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more.